The Today's Homeowner Radio Podcast is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this hour of today's Homeowner Radio. I'm Danny Lipford, along with my buddy Joe Trini. A lot of things to, to cover during this hour. We want to tell you a little bit about what's involved in replacing your windows. There's a couple things you need to think about when you're putting windows in your home. Also, we have a few more problems that we need to solve with some stairs. Uh, you know, with the holidays coming up, man, you want to make sure those stairs are ready. You don't want something that is unattractive or can possibly have a slip and fall. We've got some tips on that as well. Also, installing a microwave in your kitchen um, without taking up countertop space, counter top space is so valuable. What can you do? What are some options? Uh, Boy, I've done a lot of different placements of microwaves in kitchens. We'll give you some great ideas on that. A lot of emails coming in. We appreciate all of those. And of course, Joe, what about that simple solution that you're going to share with us in a bit? Well, this time of year, a lot of people, as the weather turns colder, might be working on the inside of their house, including removing carpeting. So I have a quick tip on how to easily get carpeting, wall-to-wall carpeting, out of your house. All right, good. A lot of people are doing that. It seems like luxury vinyl tile that's is right. taking over the world, and yep. a lot of people <laughs> are doing that, and then using throw rugs to warm it up a little bit, that kind of thing. But, hey, we want to hear from you on any challenge that you might be having. We try to make it as easy as possible. You can send us an email anytime at todayshomeowner.com slash ask, or you can pick up the phone 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and call us on the hotline, 800 946 4420. We're going to jump right to some of those calls that came in this week on the hotline. Hey, Danny, I'm just wondering what kind of lubricant I could put on a end of a garden hose so that when you screw on the nozzle, that nozzle can come off very easy. I got very hard water, and last nozzle I tried taking off, I had to use a pair of vice grips, two of them. I ended up cutting the nozzle off because it would not budge. I was stomping on it and everything. I'm just wondering <laughs> if it's Vaseline or WD-40 you can put on there so it easily comes off or disconnects. Thank you. Well, I can certainly hear the frustration there. Yeah, and, stomping uh, on it. Wow. And, and you know, using uh, any kind of wrench, um, if you use a wrench on something like this, you want one that has kind of a round configuration in the grip, uh, like adjustable pliers, um, you know, is much better on that. But you really shouldn't have to. And uh, it's a good question. I mean, you know, to tell you the truth, Vaseline's not a bad idea because it doesn't, you know, go away. It'll stay there for a long time, just as lithium grease, white lithium grease is a, another option on that. I'm I mean, WD-40 would do okay, but it's just not going to last as you use it over and over. But also, Joe, I would think taking a small little wire brush from time to time and just kind of clean up some of that, what am I trying to say, the... Corrosion or debris. Yeah, the corrosion and everything yeah. that can happen so quickly, especially with certain kinds of water, just to keep that corrosion down. Um, I think any of those things will help a lot. This makes me want to do that to some of some of my hoses <laughs> that I'm having trouble with. Yeah, first thing I thought, Danny, was white lithium grease, which you suggest. It comes in a spray can, and it's, it's a little thicker, so it will stay. Mm-hmm. As Danny said, it will stay in place and. Uh, and it, it, I find that I still have to use a wrench and tighten it up to keep it from being watertight. It seems like they always leak no matter what. 
And I'll tell you another thing is to uh, keep handy some of the little black washers. Those are notorious for falling out and yes. that kind of thing. So keep an eye out on those. As you're at the hardware store, you may want to pick up a few of them. They're just nickels and dimes. But uh, to have those can certainly make it a lot better. And I've seen certain hoses where you actually need to put two of them in there to connect properly and make a good connection with a particular faucet. So sometimes those can come in handy. It's a great tip. Let's go back to the hotline for another call. Yes. My question is regarding cement siding. It is on the west side of the house, and the paint is peeling, uh, chipping or something. I don't know. But what is the best way to fix it? Thanks, and bye-bye. Well, I tell you, that's a little unusual. That's one of the big advantages that I've always found with fiber cement siding is it will hold paint for a long, long time. It will resist mold and mildew, except in extreme conditions. And uh, I'm not sure I've ever seen anything peel on fiber cement. Now, fiber cement has a uh, the ability to use a smooth surface or a rough surface, you know, more of a textured surface. and uh, But I've never seen uh, any paint peel off of that. But, of course, Joe, if it's peeling, it means something is not right on the foundation of the, right. you know, the preparation of it. Something is causing that to turn loose. And it could be a concentration of, of water or something there in that particular area, but I think this goes back to the original paint job. Yeah, I mean, we don't know if it was properly prepared, the surface, prior to painting, whether this is the original paint that was on the house or that was repainted recently and maybe that's the issue the fact that's on the west side it's a little unusual usually it's the south side that's exposed mm-hmm. to most of the sun um but in any case yeah you have to clean it really well remove any just like it was any other surface remove any loose paint can't paint over it and then after it's cleaned well at least that james hardy the largest manufacturer of fiber cement siding recommends is just 100 percent acrylic latex house paint mm-hmm. same paint you put on any other surface there you go. Hopefully that'll um, one of those problems that you can get behind you there because that's real, really unusual. But prep it up well, clean it up well, and then you don't necessarily need an air sprayer to do that. You can uh, do with a um, roller and a brush to cover a lot of ground in a short amount of time. Let's go for one more call on the hotline. My question is, I have persistent crabgrass problems, and I'm hearing your radio show today where you're talking about lawns. And I would like to get some information on how to get rid of crabgrass. Okay. It's all about persistence. I can tell you that. Yeah, um, that's right. That, that I mean, it, it can almost grow overnight. I swear, it just seems to pop up like that. I mean, without a doubt, now, there's a lot of different ways to go. We could share several of them with you. Uh, it may seem like a uh, just a terrible, laborious task to actually pull that up, but um, you, you know, there's there's a special tool that. Um, is uh, produced by Ames, um, the legendary American company Ames, and it actually it's it's for crabgrass. You put it right on top of the the crabgrass, and it has a little pedal, and you push it. When you push it, it spins this little auger, and it pulls that right up by the root, and then it has a release that you can dump it right into a bucket. That's another thing about removing weeds. Don't throw them over here on the ground. Don't throw them on your sidewalk or, or driveway because the 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 um, seeds uh, pods will get out and you're just basically spreading uh, the problem. Put it directly in a bucket and dispose of it where it's not going to contribute any seeds and so forth. Now, Joe, I guess um, our formula that we've been very popular over the years with the Epsom salts could probably also use that to go around 
and individually um, right. spray the different crabgrass if you don't have a lot of it. Now, that's going to kill everything that you spray it on. But, right. um, so but we're I, talking I, about I, sp- yeah. Uh-huh. Spot treating, right? Spot treating, exactly. So I think that would be another option. And then, of course, there's crabgrass spray. We yeah. always like like to think of that as the last resort. Yeah, the the, the simple solution Danny's referring to is it's um, one gallon of white vinegar, two cups of Epsom salt, and a quarter cup of Dawn dish soap. And you mix it up. You put it in a garden sprayer. Um, and again, you know, if you're you have to be careful because it'll kill the grass as well. Um, and so you can use that. But yeah, there are, as Danny said, there are lots of crabgrass killers. I would definitely try to get something that's natural or organic. There's one called Green Gobbler. And there's a company, uh, it's called Bio Advanced. They also make um, a non-toxic killer. So I, I would definitely try the homemade solution first. If not, then you can go to one of these non-toxic commercial killers. Yeah, there you go. And, and and persistence is the whole thing. I'll have to certainly uh, compliment my wife, Sharon, because she can she can eliminate all weeds out of a yard. And it's just amazing what it takes, that five-gallon bucket walking around, cussing at those plants and pulling them out by the roots. <laughs> not cussing at Danny, but cussing yes, at, yeah. for not helping. And then all of these certain sprays that she uses, that she concentrates, she looks at the weather to make sure it's not going to rain. And uh, I'm telling you, we've just about eliminated every plant. And, and, you know, you have a false sense of security, I think, when you sod your yard. You're saying, okay, I'm blocking out those weeds. I'll never see them again. That's not the case because you've created a great growth environment with putting the soil and uh, all of the cultivation of that. So, uh, yes, when you put the sod down, your weed worries are not behind you, but that persistence will really pay off. Hey, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about windows and what's involved in replacing the windows in your house or part of your house. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Pavestone, creating beautiful landscapes, and by Quickrete Cement and Concrete Products. It's what America's made of. You know, the Today's Radio Show started uh, about 14 or 15 years ago when I purchased an existing radio show called Homefront. And it had about 35 to 40 stations that yeah. uh, that they had at that time. And I'm so proud over the years we've steadily built up to where we now have over 360 stations that listen to our show each and every week. And we're real proud of each and every one of them. That's why I like to put a spotlight on on a station or two each week, including this one that's been around, that's been with us for quite a while in Chico, California, KKXXAM 930. Hello to everybody there. We get a lot of calls from California. I know right where Chico is and and hope everybody's doing well there. And, and again, I always want to remind you that you can reach out to us. We're going to be on the air for another, oh, about 11 or 12 week. So we want to hear from you. Pick up the phone and call us 800-946-4420. That's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Today's Homeowner Hotline. And you can also send us an email by going to todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Right now, we're going to head to Indiana and Jeff is on the line. Jeff, welcome to the show and tell us what's going on around your house. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Certainly. Um, uh, I have a an enclosed front porch. Um, it used to be an open front porch and uh, at some point, they've they've put windows in to enclose it. Uh, no insulation, uh, but the windows are old. Um, they're the old uh, had the old weights window weights on them. Mm-hmm. And I just was wondering, is it worth 
the time and the money to have new windows installed. And um, to add on to that, we it looks like there's a little bit of water coming in under the sill, so probably it would have to be uh, completely torn out and completely reframed and then new windows. Well, I'll tell you, that's an important part of the house, not only aesthetically, but, um, you know, if you're going to use that area very much, without a doubt, replacing the old wooden windows with a new, um, whether it's wood or vinyl, um, uh, double pane type uh, glass is going to be a whole lot better. You're just not going to have the heat build up. It'll insulate you from the cold, all aspects of it there. So, yes, that would be good, but, boy, I would be really um, focused on making sure it adds to the front of your house and not taking away from it. So the style of window, the color of window, all of that's going to play into it quite a bit. But um, uh, Or if you're not using it, you may want to return it back to its original look um, as, as a front porch. But um, uh, are, are you finding, um, Jeff, that you're using it quite a bit? Um, we do use it pretty frequently. Of course, in, in the summer, it gets really hot because the sun comes in on that side in the in the evening. Um, and, of course, in the winter, it's it's cold out there because it's not climate controlled. Uh, but in the spring and in the fall and when it's nice and we have those windows open and we really mm-hmm. appreciate working out there, yeah. Yeah. Well, then uh, I would certainly uh, recommend the windows. And you could uh, either do it yourself or get, um, you know, a window company to come out. It's amazing how those window companies can come in and remove all of the windows and replace all the new ones in just a couple days. So you might uh, get a few prices to to consider that. Joe, any other thoughts on this? Yeah, I think you should definitely replace the windows if you're going to be trying to use it, extend the use of this depending on the weather. And as far as the sill goes, I wouldn't automatically jump to tearing everything out and starting from scratch. You may have to do that, but I would certainly open it up either on the inside or outside and inspect that sill. You might find you just have to replace part of the sill and you do and you would okay. replace with pressure-treated wood. Um, what is it sitting on now, like a concrete footing or on? Yeah, it's, it's, on, a, it's on a concrete, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, And okay. water's coming in underneath there. Yeah, well, I've seen entire houses have the sill replaced. I live in Connecticut, and there are a lot of really old houses around here, and they prop up the house, and they replace the entire sill of the house. And so you'd certainly be able to do that without, you know, without tearing the whole house apart. So you could certainly do that there. I would open it up where you need to, find out which part of the sill is rotted, if it is, um, and then just replace that part. But, yeah, I would definitely okay. replace the windows and then check that check on that sill. Okay, great. All right. Well, best of luck to you. Might as well use that space that you have and uh, sure. make it to where you can use it even more days during the year. Jeff, we appreciate you being with us here on today's Home on Radio. All right. Thank you. You know, Joe, I was hearing on um, news the other day. I'm, I, I really don't watch and listen to news very much like I used to, uh, you know, for obvious reasons. It's kind of depressing sometimes. But uh, Sometimes. When, yeah, good. <laughs> well, um, I, I just heard recently that uh, Jimmy Carter uh, celebrated his 99th birthday. You know, yes. he's the oldest president ever and yeah. uh, pretty interesting. And, and I don't care what your political affiliation is on, on that. I mean, he is an absolute icon. And I can remember, you know, I guess I was 17 or 18, something like that, maybe maybe a little older than that when he was a president and just all of the, I mean, you know, a Southerner and yeah. from a little bitty small town and all of the different um, openness that he had and everything. But, you know, I had a chance to meet him. Um, oh, did and you? It was, yeah. I was, habitat? Uh, 
Well, I was flying back from New York, and yeah. um, uh, I think I was in. I'm pretty sure I was in Atlanta. And um, no, no, actually, I was in. I was in New York at LaGuardia. I went into the uh, Delta um, Sky Club there, and um, was sitting there. And I noticed over to the side in a side room there were a lot of suits, you know, yeah, so that, right. that looks like, you know, um, uh, Secret Service guys. Now, there was, um, you know, presidential um, uh, election was taking place about this time. Uh, this was only about uh, maybe six or eight years ago. And um, and anyway, so I didn't know who it was, and they, they left and so forth, and the, I, you know, I figured it's some celebrity or something. And then when I got on the plane, I noticed in first class some of these, the, the Secret Service guys were there, but I still right. couldn't see who it was. So I went and I sat down, and then I looked up, and there's Jimmy Carter walking down the aisles, uh-huh. uh, shaking the hand of every single person on the plane. Yeah. And I was just, and of course, I was a little tired from, um, you know, doing the early show there in New York and all. Right. And I'm, I'm trying, you know, I said, that's Jimmy Carter. And I'll be, <laughs> and I'll be darned. He walked all the way down the aisles. Now, of course, he had a couple Secret Service guys there. Sure. In case there were any nuts there and um, shook hands of anybody. And of course, it's kind of made you feel old a little bit because you can hear some of the kids going, hey, mom, who's that? You know, so, okay. Um, yeah. But anyway, I, I, I shook his hand, and, and um, I had read just recently that he had slowed down on a lot of his habitat work. So, yeah. so I asked him, I said, you know, um, uh, do you do you miss uh, being involved in, in habitat? And, boy, he looked me right in the eye and said, you know, I truly do miss it. I hope I can get back out there. I absolutely love participating there yeah. and being with all of the volunteers. I mean, it it is it was not a PR move for him to get out and get his picture taken with somebody. He truly loved that, the, yeah. the work involved in it and everything. So I was pretty impressed with him. Got some fantastic pictures of uh, he and I on that. That I oh, should pose from time to time, but uh, but anyway, it's uh, I hope he. Uh, I know he's not in great health right now, nor he or his wife. So I hope right. he still lives a, a few more years, at least makes it to that uh, big one hundred mark. Yeah, I hope he does. He's he was always such a decent, honest kind of guy. You know, it just seemed like you know he was raised the right way. A peanut farmer from Georgia, um, and so yeah, I was glad to see that he was back up and around. And yeah, he's cutting back on helping build homes for the homeless and for people who are struggling. And he was like in his nineties at the time. I know, I know. he's got to cut back. <laughs> I know. He can't can't be hanging sheetrock anymore. He's back to just doing trim work. Or I don't know, but yeah, he's an inspiration certainly. And uh, and we of course wish him the best. Let's see. Let's grab another uh, email here. Actually, we'll hold off on this email because this is one that I really want to talk about. It's involved um, where you have wood columns. And a lot of times, and I've seen this hundreds of times, where maybe you don't even realize your shrubs are growing up and pushing against those wood columns. And what happens is when it does get wet, when it rains, then because of all of these shrubs, it really holds that water in there, a perfect scenario for rotten wood. And even though you may have uh, columns that are treated and and so forth. I've seen a lot of them. Now it's a it's a, a tough determination to decide whether you repair or you replace. And I've tried a lot of different systems. So coming up, I want to talk about uh, when you need to replace those columns and when you can actually save the columns because, you know, the columns uh, really make a, 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 a statement on the front of your oh, house. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but they also um, are structural. They, they are holding up a tremendous amount of weight. You don't want anything to jeopardize the strength in your house. So we're going to talk about that. Also, we're going to talk about um, stairs, you know, leading up. 
up. We've got the holidays coming up. You want to make sure those stairs are in really good shape. If you have concrete stairs, that can be a challenge to keep them from being a risk of someone slipping and falling. But we've got tips on this and a whole lot more coming up here on today's Homeowner Radio. Today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. Hey, so glad to be with you this week and every week. We're going to get right back to the Today's Homeowner Hotline, try to help as many people as we can this week. Vince is on the line from Pennsylvania. Vince, welcome to the show, and uh, tell us what's going on around your house. Hi, Danny. Hi, Joe. First off, I want to tell you we love your podcast. My wife and I listen to it all the time. Oh, oh thank, thank you very much. That. Thank you, sir. Okay, here's the thing. I have a house that's over 100 years old, and my steps are solid blocks of slate. Wow. And I'm not talking about, yeah, I'm not talking about just thin slate. I'm talking about six to eight inches thick, 12 inches deep, and four foot long. Wow. wow. I've never heard of slate that thick. That, that wow. makes my back makes my back hurt. <laughs> I had asked a lot of people, and yeah, the, the, even the, the stone guys, okay, say that they're slate. You could never afford to have that today. It's amazing. But they're slate. Now, the yep. problem is they're starting to peel like slate would. I sent you pictures yeah. of that. Yes. Nobody knows what to do. Well, I'm, I don't know what Danny thinks about it, but um, the only thing I can tell you is, yeah, slate, you know, when you look at it on edge— it's many, many layers of very thin stone in this case, you know, slate in this case, that are under pressure of millennia have been bonded together. And, you know, you're in Pennsylvania, so you have, a, you know, a cold winter, we have melting snow and ice and water gets in there. And when it freezes and expands, it can split those layers. And you do see slate, thin slate or even thick slate will splinter like that and it'll cleave off these layers. And what you can do about it is, as far as I know, is absolutely nothing. I mean, you could seal them to try to prevent it. You'd have to use, you know, a professional grade sealer. Um, there's two companies that I, I've used in the past. One is Stone Tech. I just used it recently on my granite steps. And another is called Miracle Sealants. Those are the manufacturers. They sell them at home centers and, and at stone yards. Um, but, you know, because if you seal them, then you can keep that water out and keep it from freezing and expanding. But what you can do about it now, I have no idea. I mean, you can talk to a mason. I don't know if there's a way to prevent it. Um, from... Okay, let me, ask you, let me ask you this question, Joe. It, it's, okay. it, if you looked at the pictures, it is starting to chip layers. Right. Should I actually layer it down to one smooth layer before I put the sealant on so people don't trip? Yeah, how would you do that? Grind it flat? I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. you chisel it. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you chisel it. You wouldn't end up with a flat surface. I mean, you could always grind it flat, but how much do you have to remove? And are you then going to be making one step deeper than the next step? So, the other. Uh, yeah, other than checking with a, a very experienced stonemason, Danny, I'm not sure what Vince well, can well, I, do. I think um, in looking at the pictures and, and thinking about the type of material that uh, slate is, I really think you could um, could give a try to recap from Quickrete. 
um, and, you know, clean it very well, uh, follow the instructions. It's very easy to use. And then just put a thin layer over it. You know, you can put anything from like a 16th up to a half inch layer on that and just um, apply it as it as it recommends. And there's many, many videos on, on how to use Recap. We've used it a lot on stairs. And then, um, you know, you can use, as it's drying, use a broom to create a broom finish on it so that it's an anti-skid surface. I think, I think that would be successful assuming that the slate is not moving in any way, which I don't think it is, but any of the thin layers on top, you may want to kind of chip them off or grind them off a little bit before applying the recap. But I think I would give that a try. You, you, it's, it's not going to hurt anything or mess anything up, uh, but that might be a very inexpensive way to not only make the stairs nice and smooth, uh, you know, with that little bit of texture on them. Um, but I, I, I think that probably would work for you. I appreciate that because, like I said, my biggest concern is, of course, it's going to keep chipping. I don't want anybody to fall. They're steps. Right, right. Well, that's what I'm thinking. This will kind of encapsulate it and prevent that that veneer uh, loss that you're having. And uh, I, would, I would just go to quickrete.com, put in a recap video, or you could just Google recap video, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about on some extremely distressed surfaces that within just essentially a half hour makes it look completely brand new. Terrific. I appreciate your help, and I will keep you two guys posted. All right. That sounds Thank great, you. Vince. Best of luck to you, and thanks for being a part of the show today. Thank you so very much. Bye-bye now. Hey, let's go to an email here. This is one that I'm really interested in uh, in sharing with you because this is something that we've dealt with quite a lot. This is uh, actually from Mobile, Alabama. Trey writes in, I'd like to know how to repair my wooden columns on my historic home. Any advice would be welcome. I've really enjoyed your show over the years. Well, I appreciate that, Trey. And, um, you know, if you have wooden um, columns, uh, they are very important. And if they're not badly deteriorated or damaged, you're able to do a variety of things. First of all, um, a, an epoxy sealer. A lot of people know it as Bondo. Bondo brand actually has a wood repair type of material. I used some yesterday, actually, that you have the filler and then you have just a little bit of hardener that you mix with it and then you can apply it over these surfaces. And sometimes it takes more than one coat. Sometimes you need to take a little bit of hardware cloth and screw it into the damaged area so that it doesn't require as much repair material. And then you just shape it after, and it dries very, very quickly. And it also sands and grinds very, very easily so that you can make it look original. But this is only for cosmetic uses. If it's a structural situation, if you if you see any of that column crumbling or a significant amount of it is damaged, you have to replace that column. I've never seen a column successfully patched in that manner, though that is a possibility. Um, and hopefully the decorative parts of the column are not affected. Joe, that's the hard part when you're using any of the uh, epoxy wood filler like that is if you have any of those contours or any of that trim, boy, that right, was hard right. to kind of sculpt to make it yeah. look original there. Yeah. And the other thing is these, chances are if it's a round column, which we're guessing it is, it's probably hollow and there's a square post, something structural inside. But either way, if it's hollow, um, once you make the repair or as you're making the repair, always check to see if there are vents in it. If not, you can put them in. They make vents specifically for columns or basically just a little round. You cut it with a hole slide, you cut a round hole and you put one at the bottom and one at the top and it lets air flow through there. Because, you know, if it's trapping moisture, it's going to rot out 
the wood is going to make the paint peel off. So you want to avoid that as well. So after you make these repairs, make sure you get a couple of vents in the in each column. And also check your sprinkler system, your irrigation system. If it's consistently yeah, right. spraying water on the column, it's going to rot again. And also trimming those shrubs back. Very important around a home, around a porch, that you have airflow between the back of your bushes and your home. It's recommended at least 12 inches. A lot of homes have those shrubs pushed right against the house. It's going to cause moisture problems sooner or later. Hey, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about proper placement and options for microwaves. That and a whole lot more coming up here on today's Homeowner Radio. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Deitch Coatings. Easily roll on your new stone countertop, garage floor, and more in just a weekend with Deitch. And welcome back to the show. The Today's Homeowner Radio Show, every single week we're here to provide you the best information we possibly can from a lot of experience that I have, as well as my co-host, Joe Truini. We're going to get right back to the Today's Homeowner Hotline right now, head out to Oregon. Susan's on the line. Susan, welcome to the show, and uh, tell us what's going on at your house. Thank you. Um, We have a manufactured home, a new one, a double-wide, and it's a farmhouse model. And the kitchen has a large island in the center of it. Um, uh, And then there's counters on either side of the island. And um, rather than get a microwave over the stove, we got a a large uh, glass hood, a range hood that goes up to the ceiling and it vents out to that. So we're looking for another place to put a microwave. We considered putting a shelf in on either side of the stove on the wall because there's big wall space on either side that's blank or the shelf, but it kind of makes the microwave a little high, plus there's no venting there, and we didn't know if it needed to be vented. The other option was we thought about either putting it on a countertop. I mean, I don't know whether those need to be vented or not, or uh, getting rid of part of a cabinet and putting it in a cabinet uh, on that's not too high up that we could reach. So that was what we're considering, but we don't we wanted to ask you what your thoughts were about that. We don't, we're not real clear about what needs to get vented and what doesn't, and what the best place for the microwave would be. Okay. All right. Great, great ideas and options there. And your pictures look great. What we're looking at here is a really nice uh, kitchen that's white. There's a lot of uh, electrical outlets there. It all all looks very, very nice. The first thing I saw is on one of the pictures on the far right side, there seemed to be an opening there um, that's uh, wider than any microwave would be. But I almost wondered in that part if you established a shelf that would match the actual um, cabinetry, uh, then you would be right at that um, outlet. You might have to route the cord down, but it seemed like that would be one option. And in terms of the venting, you you don't have to vent a microwave, but you just got to give it a little bit of space around it just so that when the air is blowing out, it's not going to be contained. So you don't want it like in an airtight cabinet, but just a little bit of of gap around it is all that's necessary on it. Um, So that's one place I saw. But also, uh, Susan, another place that we've installed a lot of microwaves is in the island. Um, So it's down lower. 
more, which is a big advantage if anyone is in a wheelchair or your, um, you know, your children are wanting to use the microwave and actually cut in a section, might have to alter, certainly alter the island cabinet just a bit. But that's also one other way of doing it. And some people like it down low like that. Some people find that it's a little aggravating to lean over like that. But that's also another consideration. We actually did uh, that a couple times in different shows over the years. Uh, but that's another option that could uh, take place. But I, I certainly agree with you on the um, microwave over the stove. That is something that I think is going to become obsolete. It just is dangerous. It doesn't vent well. And it just isn't quite, even though it's a space saver, It's I don't think it's the right way to go. Okay. So when you were talking about the um, the kitchen island, so we had, I don't know if you could tell in the pictures, one side of the island, which is the side where the stove is, it's going to be where bar stools are. So it really couldn't put a microwave on that side. Um, on either end of the, of the island, um, that's kind of compromised by putting, by putting a shelf in there because on the front side of the, uh, the other side of the island, basically the kitchen sink area, we had two large drawers put on either end of the island to accommodate uh, pots and pans. In fact, there was a, store, a little storage thing that was supposed to go on the end of both ends of the island that we saw in the model, and I asked about it and was told, well, you can't put that in there now because you modified the cabinet to have two large pull-out drawers on either end of that face, the part that faces the kitchen sink, and that uh, shelf thing would interfere with the, the operation of the drawers. So I, th- I think the countertop or a shelf would probably be our best option given. Yeah. Well, I, I would look I would look closely at that place that I'd mentioned on the far right side of the cabinetry there that, uh, again, even though that's much wider than you need, you could put the microwave, you could put a shelf in that matches the cabinets. You could put the microwave in the middle and then on each side, you could use that for cookbooks or decorative things or, you know, maybe some other utensils that you use in the kitchen. But it seems like that's a, almost tailor-made for it. And it wouldn't encroach on that space below it because your countertop drops down there just a little bit. Um, just from what I see on the pictures, that would probably be my first choice. Oh, well, there's an alcove there above. Yes, right. uh-huh, exactly. Right. That's what we were thinking about, too. We just didn't know if it was wide enough to accommodate a large-sized microwave. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that would probably be just, just the place to do it pretty easy as well. Okay, great. Well, that, that helps a lot. I think I, I, that really gives us a some options to consider, um, and we really appreciate that. Hey, your help. Happy, happy to help on that, Susan, and best of luck on the project. you got a fantastic-looking house, and, and uh, thanks for being with us here on today's Homeowner Radio. Thanks so much. Take care. And when we come back, it's Simple Solution Time. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Fluidmaster. Find out more at shop.fluidmaster.com. Okay, you've been waiting for it. Now it's time for our simple solution featuring my co-host and remarkable handsome dude, um, (laughs) Joe Truini. He says that because I have a face for radio. That's why he keeps saying (laughs) that. All right, Danny, next time you need to remove wall-to-wall carpeting, here's a simple solution to try. Because that could be a back-breaking chore because what people often do is they just roll it up 
and now you got this giant roll of carpeting that weighs, you know, a couple hundred pounds. Like, how do you get it out of the house? How do you bend it? You shove it out a window, you know? So here, here's a much easier and faster way to do it. What you want to do is slice up the carpeting into manageable size squares. And so you, you, all you need is a sharp utility knife, and it's much easier to slice through the back of the carpet, not through the pile. So you want to, as you're pulling it up, you turn it over and slice through the backing, and you'll see it slices through really easily. And usually you can cut it up into three-foot squares or so, probably not much bigger than that. And then you can stack those up and very easily carry them out of the room or hand them out the window. Um, and so that's a much easier and quicker way to not only get it out of the house, but of course also to dispose of it. So you can dispose of them in these smaller squares instead of a giant roll. And boy, if it's old carpeting, it really cuts easily. Because oh, yeah. Because it, you yeah. know, just that uh, old backing on it and so forth, you can roll that up and cut it. Yeah, that does make a difference. It reminds me of um, one time I dropped by to see one of my friends who was a carpet installer. And it was right. a terrible hot day. And and I could I could hear his radio inside this house. It's a brand new house. So I just dropped by to say hello to him, you know, and check out the house he was talking about. So I, I walked up. I had a 25-foot Stanley tape. Right. And back years and years ago, the tape end um, was a little, you could cut yourself a little bit on it. It didn't have the Teflon coating that they now have on it. Right. So I got, the guy didn't know I was there. I kind of slipped up behind him, you know, because I like to play a joke every now and then. And I, I pulled <laughs> every now that, and then, I like pulled every day. that tape yeah. out about seven or eight feet just to kind of jab him in the ribs a little bit. Yeah. Well, when I did, he kind of jumped and turned because he was startled. Right. And that little end of that tape measure cut a like a paper cut on him about eight inches long on his, on his belly he looked over at me <laughs> now, now keep in mind carpet guys always have a very sharp knife in their hand so <laughs> exactly. I, I really didn't think that through very much and uh so i look and it's, it's, it's just like th there's blood that's just dripping down Whoa. like that just instantly and uh so I, I looked at it, and I thought, well, what, what do I do? Well, then suddenly I, I realized that he was standing up, charging after me with a knife. So I exited the building, and, uh, and I, fortunately <laughs> I could like outrun him. Sounds like a Leonard Skinner song. <laughs> yeah, but, but anyway, yeah, don't, uh, don't, don't, don't mess with anybody <laughs> like that that have sharp <laughs> knives. That's, that's what I learned all about it. Well, that's the lesson, right? That's a lesson he learned. You can do it as long as a person doesn't have a knife in their hands. That's right, yeah. I, need to, <laughs> I had to think that through, think my jokes through just a little bit yeah. more than yeah. that. Hey, I want to remind you about the Today's Homeowner Television Show and its availability on many, many streaming platforms. Uh, you know, we've concluded the broadcast um, airing of the show across the country, and now we're really focusing on our library. And boy, our audience is getting bigger and bigger each week because so many people are finding us on Roku and Crackle and Pluto, Exumo. Well, instead of worrying about where you can find us, just go to todayshomeowner.com slash stream, and you can see all all of the different places. And we'll have more. We're even talking to a few cable outlets that are interested in airing the show. So you'll see a lot of today's homeowner shows, and there's almost 600 of them. And then they're holding up very, very well. A lot of the tips that we shared many years ago are still very valid, and we're very proud of the body of work that we have there. The radio show will continue to the end of the year, and social media and so forth will all continue from, from now on. But it's been a fantastic ride and a wonderful audience, and all of these great emails we get each week are fantastic. We'd love to hear from you on your thoughts of the show, your thoughts of things you'd like to, for us to cover, and you can reach us at todayshomeowner.com slash ask or call us on the hotline 800-946- 
4420. I'm Danny Lipford along with my co-host Joe Truini, our great producer engineer Scott Gardner and Brad Rogers and the whole Today's Homeowner team hoping you have a great weekend and we look forward to seeing you again next week.